all you beautiful people, and welcome to the Glorious and the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. Happy April to you. I pray that this podcast finds you well in whatever you're putting your hands and your heart to today, whether you're hauling people around all day from thing to thing, or you're hauling yourself from thing to thing, or maybe you're stuck at home or work just getting that thing done. I pray that you'll be able to stop and remember who God is over you today and who you are because of that. That's always my prayer for every episode that you'll be affirmed in remembering the most important thing, that you do belong to this God who loves you. You are His beloved. I know that spring brings lots of busyness as we talked about last time, and we've said already, it's necessary to get things done. We can't get around the whole work thing. And this time of year, especially, I know if you have kids, you're realizing like me that you're on the countdown towards summer. Yes, I just said that, and I'm sorry. (laughs) This means that all the recitals are happening, music and dance. I know our Annie Rose, our youngest, she had her dance photos done in her recital uniform this past week. And of course, I waited until the last minute to get the right color of tights and shoes that we needed, along with, of course, the right red lipstick that everyone else is wearing. So it was like, Operation Dance Photo Day the other day, Nathan and I both had meetings at the same time, and I had to put a hard stop on my meeting so that I could make the call to the one dance supply near us that didn't open till noon. <laughs> and I was worried, of course, that you know I was the last mom to get the right color tights and the right shoes and, of course, the right lipstick. And because we live in a small town, I was afraid they'd be sold out, which is actually quite possible. But thankfully, I got a hold of them they had the three things we needed and i had her set them aside while i was you know sweating bullets you know it's not that big of a deal truly in the scheme of life but to your 11 year old it's a big deal so nathan was leaving his meeting he was texting me and giving me a play by play he went by the dance supply place after his meeting picked up everything we needed and saved the day but this is the kind of busyness spring brings right all good things things to be present for And speaking of things that we need to be present for, I have a senior in high school this year. Yes, our Noah is graduating in May. And I just saw this email from our umbrella school. By the way, an umbrella school means, at least in our state, in Tennessee, you have to have a school over you if you're homeschooling. So it's the school that sort of you turn in your attendance to, your grades to, and they kind of look in on your progress. Well, I got an email from them saying that Noah's grades need to be turned in by like the first week of May, which is like a couple of weeks before his graduation. But hello, like the first week of May is a month from now. (laughs) So he and I were kind of looking at each other last night like, okay, it's go time. This is it. We can do this. Noah just got back from spending three weeks in China with a friend. We kind of considered it his senior trip because, hello, my goodness. But he has a friend whose dad lives in China for a lot of the year. He works for like an American distribution company over there. So his friend and his mom were going over to visit him, their dad, her husband, and they asked if Noah would want to go with them. So this was kind of Noah's studying abroad moment (laughs) for his senior year, which was incredible to say the least. He got to see a lot of Hong Kong, which is where uh, his friend's dad's apartment is and kind of where he works. And then they got to go to Beijing. They got to see the Great Wall of China, which I learned 
is 13,000 miles long. Nathan and I thought it was a typo when Noah texted that. He was at the wall, and he was kind of learning all the facts about it. And we Googled it, and it's indeed 13,000 miles long. Incredible. He also got to go to Thailand, which actually meant a lot to me personally. And I was sort of living vicariously through him because my aunt, who was married to my mom's brother, was from Thailand originally. Her name was Pon, and I can't remember if I've told you this before, but we lived in the same town as my uncle when I was growing up. So I would go over to their house some on the weekends. And when I was little, she was still very much learning English and kind of never really, you know, fully nailed the English language because I think just part of her just wanted to kind of keep her heritage. But her love language for us was food. So I remember as a kid, you know, running around and playing with my cousins who were her kids. And she would kind of say, you know, you want some frog legs? (laughs) Just kind of out of nowhere. And I would sit down and eat fried frog legs at her house and rabbit and who knows what else. She grew what looked like a jungle in her backyard of all kinds of amazing things. So when Noah told me he was getting to go to Thailand, I was actually a little bit jealous that he was going to get to see where my aunt Pon was from. She passed away actually pretty recently, and my uncle Kelly passed away a few years ago. So I was just sad that my kids won't know her like I was able to know her. But in some way, I felt like Noah was getting to know what my Aunt Pond was like. As you can imagine, Noah had an amazing time. Both of the boys had to homeschool while we were there. Uh, his friend Luke homeschools as well. And so they were doing some school. But of course, there were several days like going to the Great Wall of China that we just sort of declared as field trip days because, you know, China. But now he and I are looking at each other after that trip, and we're like, whoa, that was you know amazing and all, but it's time to kind of bust it. <laughs> I had to turn in a little senior bio for him along with his senior pick and a baby picture, of course, which I had a really hard time choosing which one because I could only choose one for the program. But I couldn't help but choose the one where he's in his high chair. He's probably only about 14 months old. And he's wearing a pair of Nathan's big black headphones. And Nathan's letting him hear something that he was working on music-wise. And Noah's little face is just lit up with the sweetest grin. And I just thought, wow, you know, his love for music started so early on. All that to say, it was just so surreal. I felt like I was literally hovering over my own body while I was typing out his bio and getting his senior pick ready and sending that off to them to be ready for his graduation. I just cannot fathom that we're already here. Well, I don't know if you follow me on Instagram or saw my post the other day about juggling. If you want to find the post, just look for the most recent posts where my hair is taking up most of the photo. <laughs> if you look really close, you can actually probably see my split ends. I'll just say thank the Lord for Moroccan oil. That's all I'm going to say. But what I shared seemed to strike a chord, and I thought I'd share a little bit more on it today. I think as women, this is the topic, juggling the stuff of life and sort of that age-old question of how do we balance it all? And as I could see that it struck a chord with a lot of you, I couldn't help but think of our theme this season and how it very much still fits inside of this call to come magnify the Lord with me. 
We've been talking about choosing to bless and magnify the Lord above our circumstances and plot lines. Even when there's a bit of a plot twist, we talked about in the last episode what it might look like to name that plot twist praise. We also remember together that only God can bear the weight of our worship, and we must continually release people and things from us needing their validation or us using them to prop us up somehow when God is the only one who can withstand that kind of weight and that kind of worship. I've told you before that my friend Matt Redman, who is an amazing songwriter and worship leader, often he says as he calls people to worship that seeing is singing. This simply means when we are able to see who God truly is with the eyes of our hearts, of course, it causes us to sing. I think that singing means literally because we've been talking about we were made to worship God. We were made to lift our voices in song, even if you can't sing very well. We're made to praise God, even through the plot twists of our lives. I also think that singing can mean that we live this worship. I reminded you that we are all lead worshipers, and how we handle the plot twists of our lives is a way in which we can lead others to magnify and bless God. We are now all priests because of Jesus. We're a part of the royal priesthood, and the way that we lead with our lives can make all the difference to the people around us. I talked about how I felt the desire to let that hope that was swelling up in me at sunrise the other night as Ellie and I, we were driving along, Annie was asleep in the back of the car, and it was just this moment for me to lead worship with my life and to sort of own my own belovedness in that moment by actually letting it spill out onto Ellie with my words. It will be a moment that I'll never forget, getting to affirm her worth and her beauty in that moment. I may not remember everything I said to her, but I won't forget her sun-washed hair and her eyes and her smile when I just told her how beautiful she is. Seeing is singing, and sometimes it's singing what you see over others. This is us living our belovedness at its finest, owning who we are, and then helping others own who they are. It's what I love so much about this tour that I'm getting ready to embark upon this week with my sweet friend, Jenny Allen. This tour is about us owning our own freedom and then singing that freedom over others with our lives. There's nothing more beautiful than women leading women in this kind of freedom song. It's just one of my favorite things ever. In fact, I've told you before that Jenny has been one of those women in my life that has lived from her own freedom and then bestowed that onto me as well and so many others. When she was a guest on my podcast way back when I first started this, I would have told you that I got a random phone call from her. A friend of mine had given Jenny my number, and she called me to say, hey, I know you don't know me, but <laughs> I'm starting this thing called If, and I want you to come lead at it, if you will. But she said some other things over me that day. Declared is actually probably a better word. She declared some other things over me that day. And I always say it's like this defibrillator on my heart moment pretty much resurrecting some things in my heart that had just been lying dormant for a really long time. And it was time for them to be awakened. And God used this woman who is now a dear friend of mine, who I often get to tour with, to call out those things in me. We're out uh, the first two weeks of April, depending on when you're listening to this. That'll make all the difference. But hopefully, if you're listening before and you can check it out, come see us. We would love to hug your neck. 
Can't wait for it. It's going to be a beautiful time. But here's the deal. Our freedom and our belovedness, it gets royally attacked, doesn't it? And this is the order in which Satan works. It's like if he can keep us lied to and tripped up and working from a game plan that's from our old way of living— He'll snuff out our song in no time. We talked about that last time, just breaking that silence of our worship. He loves to silence us. He knows how owning our belovedness works, and this is why He hates us so much. It's why He has come to steal and to kill and destroy. He knows that there is incredible and even supernatural power in us owning our belovedness because of the way that God made our belovedness to spill out onto others. I'm not saying that this is the word of the Lord, but I have to wonder, when Jesus said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I wonder if one of those sort of leads to the other. Meaning if we allow the enemy to start stealing, that first one, stealing from us, even a little, do we maybe even open the door for him to start killing and destroying things that are precious to us, killing and destroying us? Paul said in Ephesians 4, 27, that something even like anger, if not dealt with, and if left to linger into the next day even, it could give the devil a foothold, or some translations say an opportunity to come in and start stealing from us. So if he can get even just a foothold with anger, he can start with that one little thread and begin to unravel our confidence and our faith in who God is and who we are and how we speak that over others. In my post that I was telling you about on Instagram, I was honest in saying that I had had a day that felt like juggling all day. (laughs) I described it like me feeling like I was sort of tossing some important things into the air all at the same time in hopes that I would somehow catch them all on the way down. I wrote that the trouble comes in for me when I anticipate the struggle ahead of time, and I get anxious about all that I'm juggling. And I even start predicting what all I might even drop as I'm juggling that day. I had three really important meetings in place that needed to happen. Two of them were about the book that I'm trying to write right now. So that was obviously very important. It was also the same day as Annie's Operation Dance Photo Day, (laughs) as well as the same day that I needed to turn in Noah's senior bio. And he and I had that come to Jesus meeting about getting his work done for the year. And then all the while, I'm wrapping my mind and my heart around leaving with Jenny Allen on a bus for tour this week. You, you know, get the picture. All of that mixed with sort of some other family matters we've got going on right now. And I was just tense and ended up just kind of huffing and puffing while I was putting my clothes on in my closet before the day had even unbolded. I was already so blinded so fast and had lost perspective on everything, and my joy was suddenly zapped. I don't know why, but I'm so quick to tense up and forget that there's just this beautiful rhythm to life that we get to live from as the people of God. As I headed for my car, I knew what I needed to do. The day had just begun, but I already needed to press the restart button. (laughs) I have this app on my phone that's the solitaire card game, and I play it sometimes on planes or sometimes just late at night when I need to sort of just clear my mind before bed. And sometimes I just don't like the hand that I got dealt, so I just push, you know, redeal, like start over. I don't want to do this round. (laughs) I love knowing that we can actually have start overs in real life too. Now, I will say this, in real life, we cannot undo the hand that we've been dealt, but we can undo our response to the hand that we've been dealt. 
when our kids were little and still throwing the kind of fits that, you know, leave you wanting to throw a fit yourself as a parent, we have a couple of really strong-willed ones in our little quiver, and we experienced firsthand how many times that left to their own devices, they would just keep the fit going and going and going. Well, we realized that until they got a little bit older, they needed help in knowing how to push the restart button. We'd always try and give them the chance to turn a corner on their own, of course, but when we could see that we needed to intervene, we would come close to them and just kind of gently say, do you want to start over? I don't ever remember a time that our kids turned us down on it. It always seemed to be the one thing that communicated grace to them the most. And when I saw how quickly their hearts would soften, I realized that inside they really did want to back down, but their little pride was raging. And like I said, until they got older, they just weren't equipped yet to know that finding their happy heart was in this little thing called surrender. (laughs) The hope is that by the time they are adults— and they're throwing a fit in their closet about all that they need to get done that day. (laughs) The hope is that they will know when it's time to crawl back into the bullseye with Jesus and request a do-over. As I walked to my car, I just, I looked around a little bit at the splendor of spring all around me. It was a crisp, beautiful morning. The sky looked like the belly of a bluebird. And there was this hawk making lazy circles in the sky. Yes, I'm from Oklahoma, and that's in our theme song but it really does happen out here above our house, probably because he's hunting for my little dachshund, George. But that's another episode. (laughs) But we also have a busy little woodpecker out here right now who's knocking little holes in our tree. She sounds like a little drummer out there. Nathan and I said to each other the other day that we're just glad she's not knocking a hole into the side of our house, which has happened before. She made herself a perfect little hole in the side of our house, so perfect that she came back to it year after year and made a nest in the wall of our home and had her babies in there. (laughs) Very loud little babies, I might add. Finally, we figured out how to fill that hole before she would make it back the next spring. But we also have a mama bird who has laid eggs this spring near the house, thankfully not inside the house, just on the wreath outside of our side porch door. That will just kind of entail cleaning up lots of bird poop after all of them fly the nest. But thankfully, like I said, on the outside of our home, not the inside of our home, but all in all, I could see all of this going on around me. My senses were awakened on the way to my car that all creation was singing God's praise that beautiful spring morning. So I crawled into the front seat of my car just to breathe in for a minute and remember to pray, to consecrate my heart and my day all over again. And my joy met me there once again. When we headed for Annie's dance photos that afternoon, Nathan was driving and I kept looking back on my day and thinking over and over how it felt like juggling. That word juggle kept coming to my mind over and over. And finally, I was like, okay, Lord, what is it? It occurred to me that the Holy Spirit was speaking. So I Googled right there in the car several sites on the secret to juggling. I had no idea why, but something told me that I was going to find something insightful. And the first thing I landed on, I couldn't believe it at first, but then I was like, of course, God is speaking to me right now through juggling. The thing that caught my eye is the number one most important secret of juggling, apparently. It's this. You have to lift your eyes off of what you're juggling and see the ark. 
In other words, there's a much bigger story that we need to keep our eyes on. We can't keep our eyes on what we're juggling. Our perspective has to lift from those things. Well, as soon as I read this, I remembered that I had been in Psalm 26 that morning before I sort of threw the fit in my closet. The verse that had stood out to me that morning was verse 3. It says, For your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. Don't you just love it when God foreshadows on your day with His Word, (laughs) knowing exactly what you're getting ready to walk into, knowing exactly everything you're juggling, knowing exactly where the enemy of your soul is going to try to sift you, but most important, knowing exactly who He is as the Lord of all on your behalf. This reminds me of the time that God came near and spoke His own name over Moses just before He renews His covenant. Yet again, God tells Moses to take two tablets of stone again. This was after Moses broke the first sets of tablets that held the Ten Commandments after he came down off of the mountain from meeting with God and, of course, found that the people had grown weary of waiting on him. So they built a golden calf so that they would have something to worship. This was after Moses had already stuck out his neck for those stiff-necked people, as God called them. Yet God shows His mercy once again. He tells Moses to cut two tablets of stone again and that He Himself will write on those tablets the words that were on the first tablets. God knew exactly who those stiff-necked people were. He knew how they had already failed Him. He knew how they were going to fail Him again. And He knew how He is God on their behalf. So he told Moses to come alone, and it says that the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord, meaning that the Lord proclaimed the name of the Lord. (laughs) It says the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed this. This is Exodus 34, 6, and 7. And by the way, it seems that even David in Psalm 26 is remembering reading what the Lord has said here. He's remembering that God said this about himself on our behalf. So let's hear it and remember it in that way. Let God proclaim His name over you today because He knows the God He is over you today. This is what the Lord said that day over Moses and the people. The Lord, the Lord, He says it twice. I love that. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. How beautiful that God would connect His name that He's declaring over us with His steadfast love, with mercy, with the fact that He's gracious and forgiving. Just after this, in the next few verses, the Lord renews His covenant with the people once again, Behold, I am making a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels, God says, such as have never been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. And here lies the ark of our story that even David was keeping his eyes on so many years later. For your steadfast love is before my eyes and I will walk in your faithfulness. David was a lead worshiper, passing this song on to us, lead worshipers. God, your steadfast love is before our eyes today, and we will walk in your faithfulness. The second thing about juggling that stuck out to me right away 
is that it's actually not at all about the catching. It's about throwing with freedom and finding the right rhythm. It's like freedom and timing, throwing and timing. This doesn't mean that we're just careless, tossing things around and not caring where they land. It's actually us being strategic with where they land, actually. When I crawled back in my car, like I said, I visualized myself crawling back into the bullseye with Jesus. We've talked about this a lot, living from the bullseye. And as we do that, He takes care of all the outer rings of our lives. We live from this place of getting back in the heart of God, who is Jesus, and living from that place. That in and of itself is humbling. (laughs) I can't help but think of 1 Peter 5, where Peter says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. This again is already this throwback that Peter's using from God delivering the Israelites out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Peter's reminding us to remember who we are humbling ourselves under, this God who is more than capable of handling anything we're juggling and knows who He is on our behalf today. In order to keep what concerns us today, in order to keep what we throw at Him, all these cares, these anxieties, whatever we throw at Him, He is able. Peter goes on to say, cast all your anxieties on the Lord because He cares for you. Humility goes hand in hand with us casting all these cares on the Lord to just sit and worry and keep hold of all our cares and what concerns us is actually in and of itself sin. Worry is sin because worry is actually a pretty big form of pride. It's us saying, it's all up to me today. I can handle this all on my own. Or even sometimes like me, I wallow in my worry ahead of time that I probably am going to drop something. And all in all, that it will just prove what I'm already believing, that I'm not a good mom. I can't handle everything I'm trying to hold together. I've got too much on my plate and God doesn't even seem to care. Worry is pride. Worry is me possibly even predicting things and sealing stuff in coffins before anything even goes down. Humbling ourselves says this, says, God, thank you that it's not up to me today. I humble myself underneath your mighty hand, the same hand that has rescued relentlessly and miraculously down through the years. I can't hold all this together, but I'm thankful that you are holding me together. And I throw all my worries on you today with freedom because you said I could, and you said you care for me. I think it's so interesting, right after Peter says that we can cast all our cares on the Lord, he says this, be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. Here's this charge again to not let the enemy have any opportunity to start stealing anything from us. Before we talked about it was anger, and here's another one, humbling ourselves before we are humbled not letting even the root of worry become an issue of pride in our lives, instead rooting it out at its core. So we keep our eyes lifted above what we're juggling and on to the steadfast love of the Lord and His faithfulness, a faithfulness that has stood the test of time. We throw with freedom our worries and our cares upon Him. And you know what? Isn't it beautiful that that takes conversation to cast our cares We have to open our mouths and talk to this faithful, steadfast, loving God. We get to say, okay, God, you already know all I'm about to say. 
You already know all I'm juggling already. But can I just tell you out loud that I'm juggling this and that because it will just make me feel better if I can tell someone out loud all that I'm juggling? (laughs) And as we talk to Him and tell Him all that's on our mind, isn't it beautiful that we can rest assured that He can bear the weight of everything we bring? We don't have to dump it on our husbands, even though sometimes we do, (laughs) and we need to push the restart button. We have a place to put it all, somewhere on someone who can bear it all. Some of it's downright ugly and hard and painful, but He's big enough to hold it all, and He holds us in it all. As we throw everything on Him that concerns us, we can trust Him with it all, that it will fall into place as it's supposed to. And to go along with our belovedness spilling out onto others as we trust Him with what we're juggling, we take our eyes off of it all and we place them on Him. And then we're able also to somehow see others around us rather than just only see what we're juggling. Well, as God let me see that there was a bigger story that day, He helped me remember that Operation Dance Picture Day for Annie was a big deal. And thankfully, I found myself around 4.30 p.m. that day with actual time to spare, which was just beautiful. Well, Annie came down and she was wearing her dance costume. She was ready to go, but it looked like her costume had lost a wrestling match with something that was hanging beside it in her closet, and it needed a serious steaming session. So I was able to have her take it off so that I could smooth out all the wrinkles And she had done her makeup actually quite nicely, but she wanted me to give it the last minute touches. And I got the privilege of putting her hair in a beautiful bun. And Nathan and I both decided to drive her to dance pictures because she's our youngest. She's the last one to take dance and to have a recital and to take pictures in a recital dress. So as the bluebird sky turned to a bluebird sky evening, we ended the day with dance photos. And after that, where everyone should end every day, which is Cracker Barrel, where you can eat fried chicken and shop for nostalgic candy and trinkets that you don't need. (laughs) But me pressing restart that morning, it changed everything about my day. And in hindsight, tensing up with anxiety and even anticipating flaws in my juggling act was the most counterproductive thing that I could do. And it was no way to live my day. The hope is that we learn to throw with freedom and we find this rhythm. And I have to believe the rhythm comes in as we condition ourselves to stay in the habit of humbling ourselves and casting our cares on this God who cares for us. And getting in this rhythm makes us become good rememberers, remembering that He really does care. He cares about all that we have going on. And the bullseye is that place we always have in Jesus to collapse back into and rest And when it's time to emerge, we emerge more our truest selves. That in and of itself is beautiful, and it's this perfect rhythm. I've talked about this before, but when the Bible talks about perfection, it's usually this Greek word, teleos, and it means extending out into full capacity. And it can be likened sort of to the old pirate's telescope that can collapse all the way down and extend all the way out. Think about collapsing into that bullseye and then extending out of it every day. This place that you emerge from, this God who holds all things together, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What an amazing place to emerge from. What an amazing rhythm to get in. 
Not long ago, we were preparing our daughter, Ellie, for a mission trip that she went on to Africa, which is a very big deal. She's only 16, and she's never been out of the country, and there was a lot to plan for and prepare for. And one of the things that we had to do was get this e-visa for her. Well, Nathan followed the instructions online thoroughly, and it was supposed to be something that would print out immediately. Well, it didn't. So we waited a few days, and still nothing came. It was kind of looking for it in his email and just, you know, starting to squirm a little. It was getting closer to when it was time for her to leave. We'd been told by the people that we were arranging the trip through that she would actually be fine, that she could purchase a visa upon arrival and that it would just kind of take, you know, a $50 bill. But Nathan didn't want to have her worried about anything, you know, her getting on the ground and having to go to this other desk to try to get this visa. So it kind of was just really bothering Nathan. He was getting a little bit sick about it, as you can imagine, as her daddy didn't want Ellie to have to mess with anything, going to some side room, trying to apply for a visa on the spot. But no matter how easy it sounded and how they assured us it would be okay, the night before Ellie was supposed to leave, Nathan was just up a lot of hours. He was actually trying to get a hold of the visa office in Kenya. He tried through the night. No one was answering So he just sat up and finally he just was like, Lord, I've got to cast this care on you. He became quite distraught about it. And he just sat there with the Lord. The weight was just too much to carry. And he was like, God, this is on you. Throwing it in your court for good, trusting you with it. I cannot carry this anymore. God, would you please come through? Well, the next day is we were putting Ellie's bags by the door and we were collecting her passport and all the last minute things. And we were about to form a circle around her in the foyer to pray for her. Nathan looks at us and he holds up his phone and he's like, Visa just came through. (laughs) So we all circled up to pray for Ellie. And when we did, we circled up with a much different perspective with our eyes lifted from what we'd been worried about. We were able to focus on the much bigger story that God had for Ellie for this trip, for her heart. As a mother, I was able to see that he is a God of details and he's a much better juggler and multitasker than I will ever be. But I will say this, if the visa hadn't come through and Ellie had to deal with it at midnight when she landed in Kenya, would he have worked through that? Yes. Would he have taught her and us much through all of that? Yes. Sometimes the visa doesn't come through in the 11th hour, right? I think the point is not as much about the catching. The point is still about throwing our cares on this God with freedom and staying in that rhythm no matter what. Often this place of trust and sacrifice is for us, isn't it? For our growth. It's for the building of our faith and our character and our perseverance. So this juggling act of ours, it's more that we're surrendering to the one who is holding us together. We're finding this rhythm in this, and it teaches us sort of this third juggling secret, and it's the one that got me to my core. It says it takes keeping loose hands that are palms up. I don't know about you, but I want this kind of rhythm where the burden's easy and light. I believe it gets us in the habit of releasing what we need to release into the hands of this capable God. As I said before, this is the point of releasing our hold, the pride in us that says, I got this. One of the episodes in this series I talked about when I first lifted my hands, 
I shared the Hebrew word for praise. That means yada, to extend or hold out our hands, to revere, which means to regard as worthy of great honor. Well, there's this other Hebrew word for praise that involves lifted hands, and it's called todah. This means an extension of the hand in confession as a way of trusting God with your all. It's a sacrifice of praise. It can also mean thanksgiving, even for things not yet received. Loose hands and palms up makes me think of this expression of worship to God, especially this idea of bringing a sacrifice of praise. It's bringing Him our entire day before it even happens. It's bringing Him all that we're juggling, that we might even be proud that we're juggling and proud that we are able to catch everything when we're tossing around. You might be one of those people who just nails the juggling every day. But if you're like me, there's still pride, though, in saying, oh, well, this is going to be a tough day. Let the chips fall where they may. I'll deal with the consequences. That's not the life that Jesus offers us. I was reading this morning that when the Bible mentions a sacrifice of praise, Often this would mean in Old Testament times, it would be one of the only instances where if it were us, we were bringing this animal for sacrifice, but we would actually eat of it in that it would be this meal where we would consider God as the host and our family would be gathered with us as well as anyone in the neighborhood who was in need. Isn't that beautiful? So this was this sacrifice of praise to actually come and sit down and partake of what we were bringing, trusting God with it, saying, God, you can have this, but also in it sort of is your very sustenance. Like He's all you need. You're coming to the table. He's your host. And I love it's also us acting justly and kindly towards those in need and their coming to even partake of what we're bringing, meaning that we're even aware of those in need around us, to have had invited them to the table. And here's the arc of the story. God doesn't need this sacrificial animal that we're bringing. He owns all of creation and the order in which He made it. He owns it all. He doesn't need this sacrifice we bring. What He desires is the way that it brings us into His presence, the way that it engages our hearts. The sacrifice is actually for us and what He's teaching our hearts through it all. He knows that us being in His presence makes us rememberers, and He knows that we will remember His steadfast love, and that it never ceases, that His mercies never come to an end. And as we come loose hands and palms up in His presence every day, what a rhythm, by the way, thanking Him for what is and what hasn't even happened yet with our day, confessing with open hands our trust in Him. This births in us a posture of our heart that we begin to live in. And the point is that we pick back up the joy that we dropped in the closet (laughs) and we put it on and we wear it and we let it seep out onto others. I'll talk to you soon. 